Hey, Anna, remember that time the first gay bookstore was inspired by Christian scientists? Welcome to Remember That Time in Historical Podcast. I'm your host, Anna Webb. And I'm your host, Amanda Webb. This is a podcast where two sisters totally geek out on all their favorite moments of in history. <gasps> and I tripped a little bit. <laughs> it's never happened before. I'm not totally awake. <laughs> We're doing like a morning record, which this, we never do. Yeah, this is like our first morning record. And I mean, I'm it's s- not early. No, but I'm still sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway... Well, it's extended pride. Yeah. Because <laughs> we missed our first pride episode. So here's a bonus pride episode. Yes. Still, it's pride forever in our hearts. Yes. Indeed, indeed. Well, do you want a drink update? Yeah. Okay. So since we're doing a morning record, I'm still having my coffee. Nice. And I got, I, a, I got a ginger ale on deck because the coffee will run out soon. So. Sure. <laughs> I would still be drinking my tea, but I finished it, so I'm drinking water. <laughs> we there was a moment a... when I was like, am I still going to be drinking this tea when it's time? But it did not happen. I finished well, it. Well, we all know the curse of when Amanda's not drinking water on the podcast. Something always goes technically wrong. Yeah. So I'm, so I'm grateful. We'll <laughs> uh, so today's topic is actually like a contemporary of two of our other pride topics that we've done okay. before. Um, I don't know this one. So. Yeah. Both of Harvey Milk and of last week, Barbara Giddings. Ah. Or last episode. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was a part of the the movement at the same time period as both of those people. Cool. Um, okay. So we've actually talked about him just a teeny bit before, but I'll okay. talk about that when we get there. So are we ready to get started? Let's do it. All right. So, Craig Rodwell is born on October 31st, 1940 in Chicago, Chicago, Illinois, to Marion Katzman. I couldn't find a name for his father because his parents separated before his first birthday, so he wasn't really a part of his life. Ah, okay. Um, So I, in my reading and stuff, didn't really find it anywhere. Okay. Um, but because they separated before his first birthday, his mother really struggles to support him and his older brother. So they're, like, boarded out for daycare, but they have to, like, work in the kitchens and do laundry because their mom can't pay for their daycare otherwise. And there were no child labor laws yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, there were some by 1940, some, but, but not many. Not enough. Not enough to Or not uh, enough to cover that. Um, children in daycare from working for their daycare or, she, or they were just she was just boarding them out to someone who needed some right. help you know um yeah yeah but it 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 was a little uh, because by the time he's like six his mother is worried that he she's gonna have the kids taken from her because she can't mm-hmm. afford their care so she sends them to the chicago junior school which is a christian science boarding school Yikes. Are you familiar with the Christian scientists? Uh-huh. It's just a very odd little sect of Christianity. Have, 
Yeah, I was just going to say, do you have a little background to give the listeners? Um, not a ton, but just like you would hear the name and you would think, oh, these are Christians who believe in science. This no. is not the case. The no. actual name of the church is the Church of Christ, comma, scientist. So they believe right. that Christian healing is science. Like right. they believe prayer is science like that's kind of and they're not as i would say wacko as some um they're just odd um, little sects of christianity but they are strange (laughs) there's just no sense to be had there yeah i would agree with that yeah they have like rules where they you know they they're um a branch that believes in miracles, right? And that prayer heals. Um, And whenever they have stories of prayer healing, they have to have like three people verify that the healing really happened. But none of those people have to be doctors or scientists. So it's like, "Eh," you know, Um, it's a weird little group. These are the people who would say no to medical care and instead choose to pray for healing. That's... yes essentially what it boils down to yeah and it's not just healing you know they have a whole other set of beliefs but that is well yeah but yeah you know in terms of where they actually land on science it's not near science yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah um so he attends the school until he is 14 and you know it's an all-boys boarding school so same-sex relationships are discouraged but that doesn't mean that they don't happen right. um and so he has, like, his first gay relationships when he's at school here. Sure. Um, a lot of the quotes I'm going to use, I-, I found from a really cool and interesting website called LGBTQ Religious Archives. Hmm. Um, and I found an interesting um, article on him. So a-, a lot of the stuff I pull comes from that website. It's an interesting read. Um, but I'm just going to read this quote uh, about his experience. So at 14, Craig had a sexual encounter with an adult male at Craig's initiative, which is like, eh, he's 14. There's only so much um, initiative you can take there. But, you know, yeah. I know what they mean. Um, who was arrested for having sex with a minor and sentenced to five Good. years in prison. The authorities encouraged Craig to testify that he had been solicited and paid money, which he oh, hadn't. That, okay. Okay. Keep yeah. going. Yeah. Um. <laughs> But Craig refused to lie, so he was threatened with juvenile detention. Um, And the hearing officer allowed Craig to remain with his family if he went to a psychiatrist, which is like, okay, so, you know. Wow, okay. There's a lot going on there. So first Mm -hmm. of all, it doesn't really matter if he initiated it because he is 14 and cannot consent, although the law was maybe a little bit different then. The weird... um, say that you were paid like that's what why because they were trying i don't know just felt like they didn't have he enough was already, evidence or what he I was know. already no he was already arrested and and charged for having relations well, th- with a minor so i think that they encouraged him to testify during that process not after right, the fact but they didn't need the solicitation no. for it to be illegal so yeah why yeah <laughs> Why? And then, why is he being punished? Because, again, For it doesn't the, matter yeah. if, he, if he initiated it or not because he's a minor. So, right. what? Yeah. Um, oh, but this, boy, this the 40s, was like man. One of, 
the the early things that made him go, oh, our system is deeply broken. Well, yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah, in a lot <laughs> in of a ways. Lot of they ways. want me to lie about this. They think that I need to go to a psychiatrist for my attraction. Like, yeah, all that. Yeah. You know, he was well, like... yeah, that's a totally separate issue. Yes. Like, yeah. these, those two things are both separate failures of two different aspects of the same system <laughs> that he just experienced at the same time yeah yeah so it was like a moment for him to be like oh this is broken you know mm-hmm. um after boarding school he begins attending sullivan high school in chicago um but he also keeps studying christian science so like despite the system he was still interested in what it had to to say well, the legal system is what he kind of had a problem with, right? Yeah, yeah. It, the His experience with that whole thing didn't really have anything to do with his religious beliefs at that, up to Outside that point. Outside of the fact that it was happening at the school. Exactly. Um, so he starts attending a Sunday school at 16th Church of Christ Scientist. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I just, every time it's so funny to me. The name church of, of the Christ church. Church of Christ Scientist. Comma, scientist. It's so funny to me. Um... This is a quote from him. Uh, It says, it was there I learned from my Sunday school teacher that the official church stance on homosexuality was negative. I knew then that someday, somehow, I would help challenge the false teachings in in the Christian science movement. So I think it's very... Got news for you, bud. It's not just that one. (laughs) Yeah. But I think it's very cool that, like, he didn't... Instead of internalizing that in saying, I am wrong because the church teaches this, he He instead internalized it as the church is wrong because of this teaching, which I think is great. Well, yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So after graduating high school, Craig gets a scholarship to attend the American Ballet School in New York City. Wow. So he studies ballet. Um, And he moves to Greenwich Village in... Nope. Greenwich Village. Greenwich Village. (laughs) In 1958, um, because he hears that that's where the gay scene is. Oh, yeah. Very artsy. Very. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So here is why we have talked about him very briefly before, because in 1962, he begins dating Harvey Milk. Um, Ah, yes. So you will remember him as we start talking about this here. Um, This was when Harvey Milk was still in New York before he moves out to California. Um, so they, they date for a few months, and in September of 1962, Craig gets arrested for resisting a police sweep at um, the gay cruising area at Jacob Reese Park. There were some things that I read that said that was actually Washington Square Park, and I don't know if that's just because they've um, proactively put that as Washington Square Park because that's become more of a, um iconic mm. spot. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I read it two different ways. Anyway, th- but he gets a- arrested for quote unquote cruising, which is just standing right. out and talking to people. You know, um, well, in the legal definition, is they think that you're soliciting right sex, basically. But that's right. not what most of the people were actually doing. They were just existing, and that was like the only place they knew to meet other people. Right. Exactly. Because he was still a little too young for bars. Right. And um, he wants to get involved with some of the um, homophile movements, which we'll talk a lot about. But homophile is like an umbrella term for the right. early um, various queer organizations. Right. Um, but he was, well, again, still a little 
young. Um, yeah. Like most Sorry. of them wanted you to be 21, you know. I realize I said soliciting sex. It's not just that. It was also just like looking to what you said, like looking to meet other people. Yeah. Um, in general, like maybe you're just out to try to find other people like you to talk to at all. Right. But and that's they not cons- what the police But the police thought. considered yeah. it that you yeah. were. Yeah. 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 Um, but Harvey breaks up with him after he's arrested. Harvey, come on. Yeah. Um, he spends, Craig spends a short time in jail, not very long, but he suffers from physical abuse by the police while he's sure. there. Um, not and surprising. he attempts suicide shortly after that. So you might remember that from the Harvey Milk yeah, episode. Yeah, I do. Yes. Um, but after this, he decides to leave New York for a while. Um, so he travels, he briefly stays in California, he goes to San Francisco for a little bit of time, um, but he returns to New York in 1964, and this is when he begins working with the Mattachine Society of New York. Um, so the, we've talked a little about the Mattachine before, um, Mm -hmm. and they were a group that, they were like a little bit more formal, and they mm-hmm. were, like, try- a little more on the edge of trying to show people that we're just normal people. They were trying to assimilate. Yeah. yeah. Um, not that they didn't still do community organizing and work. Um, sure. And, and different- but that was a common occurrence then. It was yes. in the early days of the movement, there were a lot more groups that were like, well, we need to show the culture that we actually can assimilate with them. Yeah. Rather than what it is more now, which is like the culture just needs to open up to accept us because we're not going to change for them. Right. Different attitude because it was, it was a new movement. Right. And that tends to be how things start. Yeah. Cause you don't want to intimidate or scare the culture off too much. Right. Because that can cause a lot more problems. Right. Early um, on. But that dissonance will sort of become an issue for mm-hmm. Craig later on. Well, um, that's how we, that's how we get, the next steps. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, but he becomes the vice president while he works with them. And he also begins the Mattachine Young Adults. Because oh. when he came to the city, he was still a little too young to be a part of the organization. Right. But he really needed it then. And mm-hmm. so he forms this sub-org of it that encourages young adults and younger adults who are in the society to be more involved. Sure. Um, he also is a really early member of the Eastern Regional Conference of Homophile Organizations. So that's just the coming together of lots of different orgs. Mm-hmm. Um, and the North American Conference of Homophile Organizations. I mostly inc- included that because the <laughs> acronym for it is NACHO. And I think that's NACHO. <laughs> I just found that funny and I wanted to include it. Um, so on September 19th, 1964... Craig is picketing New York's Whitehall Street Induction Center to protest the military's practice of excluding gay men from and women mm-hmm. from serving. And then when they find out that they are gay, they dishonorably discharge them. Yeah. Um, so he was out protesting things like that. Um, here's our, our friend from last episode, uh, Barbara Giddings. You yes. might remember that she was a part of the group that organizes the first annual reminder protests of Independence yeah. Hall. He was also a big part of that group. So they were both, oh. um, big organizers for that. And, um, th- so the annual reminder, they would march on Independence Hall to basically in just- Philadelphia. Uh, in Philadelphia on the 4th of July to just say like, hey, while you're celebrating, we don't have rights. So- right. 
how um, fitting for currently. The day that this episode comes out is the 4th of July. Yeah, so, so you ha- how fitting. Who knows, we might see more of that <laughs> this year because yeah. nobody really feels like celebrating America's birthday this year. Oh, yeah. I said, well, some people do, but nobody in this room. <laughs> I said to my partner the other day, I said, let's just wear all black on the fourth in mourning mm-hmm. for our country. Yeah. Anyway, um, these protests occur from 1965 to 1969, and we'll talk in a minute when we about went to the moon. end. Yeah, yeah. When we went to the moon. They end because we went to the moon. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, they end because of uh, Stonewall. We talked yeah, about that last yeah. time. Yeah, and we will talk about it more, a yeah. lot in this one. Um, on April 22nd, 1966, Craig and several other Mattachine members stage a sip-in. Ah. a sip-in. At Julius Bar um, to protest the New York State Liquor Authority's rule against the congregation of, of gays in places that serve alcohol. Right. Um, gay bars. They didn't gay want bars. gay bars to exist. Yeah. yeah. Or, but, and the other problem was, we talked about this at the Stonewall episode, um, a lot of gay bars uh, became gay bars sort of uh, against the owner's will. Or yeah, um, they, the owner yeah. was cool with it and then the mafia bought it up and then that became yeah. another issue. Uh, again, we'll talk about that later. Um, <laughs> but that protest actually was very important in getting that rule overturned. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, he's spending all these years since he's back in New York doing community organizing, protesting, like that's his right. his main work. So, in 1967, he decides he wants to open something for the community and that ends up coming in the form of a bookstore. Um that. so I have a bunch of quotes from him about this, so they're going to be sprinkled throughout. So he says, um, I was trying to get the Mattachine Society to be out dealing with the people instead of sitting in an office. Mm-hmm. We even looked at a few storefronts. I wanted the society to set up a combination bookstore, counseling services, fundraising headquarters, and office. The main thing was to be out on the street. So he really believes in the community organizing ex- aspect of the work that he's doing, right? Yeah. The Mattachine rejects this idea. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't find this concept to be as Valuable. important as he finds it. Um, so he resigns from the society and he decides he's going to work towards finding the storefront on his own. I love that we got two book people back to back. I know. I was thinking <laughs> that when I started researching him, I thought how appropriate. Um, and I, I put this note later, but I think this is a better place to talk about it. Um, so the general concept from this comes from Christian scientists. So they had um, Christian science reading rooms, which oh, were, yes. um, they're, they're not bookstores. They're basically like Christian science libraries where right. you can go in and read their literature or other literature, have Bible studies. Like it's supposed to be, just be open and available to anybody right. to come in at any time. And he wanted that. With literature that has positive images of gays and lesbians, right? Right. Like that's, that sure. was the goal. So the initial concept outside of just him wanting to have this community space also is based off of those. Well, he experienced that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he thought this is actually a pretty good system, a good resource if this is what you're trying to spread to people. Absolutely. It's a good way yeah. to do it. Yeah. Um. So he actually works at Fire Island for the summer as a bartender to save up money. 
Love that. Which is iconic, I think. Um, and he buys a storefront at 291 Mercer Street and decides to name the store the Oscar Wilde Memorial Bookshop. Oh, that's good. Which is a, very famous, if you have yeah. heard of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so here's another quote from him. I wanted a name that would tell people that the, what the shop was about. So I tried to think of the most prominent person whose name I could use who is most readily identifiable as a homosexual by most people. Someone who's sort of a pseudo-martyr. And Oscar Wilde was the most obvious at the time, so I called it the Oscar Wilde Memorial Bookshop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the store opens on Thanksgiving Day, November 24th, 1967, and it is the first gay bookstore in the world. That's awesome. Yeah. And I was reading um, a really good Atlantic article about the store and also about Barbara. It talked about both of them. It was really, it, they, it was, the whole article was about the two of them. It was a really interesting article. Um, but it was talking about how it was like the first time that gay books were on a shelf as their own genre sure and that yeah. like made me cry <laughs> reading really that because cool. it's yeah it was they were we very wouldn't have like a section in libraries for it now and if you think about it we also wouldn't have like a section in um like streaming service platforms right yeah. like when you go to netflix and it's like lgbtq stories mm-hmm. like we wouldn't have that if yeah. they didn't say, like, this is a genre in its own. Mm-hmm. I have a, it's like, something people was... need access to. So you need to tell them here is where it is. Right? Yeah. I was sitting, taking my notes and looking at my bookshelf that I have. Yeah. Full yeah. of queer you books. You were just talking about getting a new separate bookshelf to put all of your... Because I'm running out of space. literature on. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, like, it made me very emotional to think about how, like, that, how influential yeah. that was. That's cool. Um, here is, here's one more quote from him, which I think really sums up the point of the store. Mm -hmm. Um, my general policy was to have a shop where gay people didn't feel like they were being exploited either sexually or economically. It was Mm -hmm. not a porn shop. There were no drawn blinds or adult only signs or peep shows in the back. Young people and women were welcome. About one fourth of our clientele were women. The bookshop also became a gathering place for lesbians and gays in the neighborhood, as notices and bulletins of community events helped bring many inside. So, like, I also really like this because it's this idea of a third space, right? Like, yeah. a space that is for meeting that, like, for people who don't drink or who are too yeah. young. And or, it yeah. also, I think, helps to change the cultural idea mm-hmm. of what um, gay and lesbian people, like, are Mm -hmm. right so when we think about like you said the bars or the adult shops or whatever that was this that was the perception that Mm -hmm. people had of queer people was that they were all like sex obsessed Mm -hmm. or you know like that's the perception but the truth is obviously not that Mm -hmm. (laughs) and And there are places for that that are wonderful but they're not there needs to be space for other people as well they're not as visible and at this point in time not as open like to everyone like anyone can come into this place yes families could come Mm -hmm. into this place which is not quite as common so you Mm -hmm. have to think that having a hub like this probably changed not everyone's perception yet but uh, probably a lot of people's even Mm -hmm. people within the community like you know young people who are like 
I don't really know how I fit into this community because I don't identify with that kind of um, socialization. You know, I need a place more like this that's quieter or Mm -hmm. or, uh, more about learning about it rather Mm -hmm. than just experiencing it. So that's really interesting. Yeah. Well, and that Atlantic article that I was reading was talking about what we talked about with Barbara, where she was frustrated that the only books she could find were psychological texts that only mentioned men that never mentioned love. And mm-hmm. Craig also found this to be a problem. It was frustrating that it was those were the only things available. So he wanted, it, it, you know, even if it wasn't books with queer topics, he was highlighting queer authors or right. um, non-scientific tellings of yeah, queer probably, experiences. Probably poets a lot. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was just a cool, it's, I, I find it amazing. Um and, you know, also when I was reading, it was talking about how, like, uh, this was one of the first community centers, not just it wasn't just the first gay bookstore. It was like this in San Francisco were like the only two places mm-hmm. that had an actual community organizing center outside of like a bar, you know? Sure. Right. And that well, yeah. like it helped open other gay bookshops. People would write yeah. in and ask for recommendations like It was hugely And people of other age groups can then actively participate in the community building aspect, too. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, if it's not like in a bar, if it's in a bar, like they can't go there. So they can't participate in like outreach or, you know, community service Mm -hmm. if they can't access where they're meeting to talk Mm -hmm. about those things. Mm -hmm. It was also talking about how this pretty quickly became like a tourist stop for gay people like people coming in from europe and visiting this area of new york like oh here's this place we have to go see we've heard so much about it you know right um anyway so in that same year 1967 he starts the homophile youth movement in neighborhoods the acronym is him so we'll probably use that if we're talking about it um and in 1968 he starts publishing a monthly newsletter called hymnal Get it? Oh, that's good. Yep, that's off. very good. Um, and it's, again, like outreach opportunities. Um, it's a newsletter for the bookshop. So here's what's happening while we're here. Mm-hmm. You know, like on Saturdays, they've had free coffee and pastries. So people would come in, that kind of thing. Um, I thought this was super interesting. Um, in 1968, Craig and um, Frank Camney, who is another important Yep, we talked activist. about him a lot yep. with Barbara. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um began to uh begin to promote the slogan uh gay is good which is based Mm. on black is beautiful yeah we still use that yes both of them um and he like promoted it through the bookshop so it was in the hymnal he had posters and he sold buttons and stickers in the store with the slogan that's like um y'all means all in like west virginia appalachia yeah 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 Uh, So, during the early morning hours of June 28th, 1969... So we went to the moon. Yes, indeed. uh, Craig and his partner, Fred Sargent, are walking home from a bridge game at a friend's house. And they walk past the Stonewall Inn, like, just as the riot on the street is starting. We did a whole whole episode on Stonewall. So they happened... 
upon mm-hmm. it. That's interesting. You know, it's that's his neighborhood. He was right. just walking home through the neighborhood, and that's and he wasn't one to really probably be out at the bar. Mm-mm. You know, like no. you said, they were at a bridge game. <laughs> yeah, with that's the kind of person we're talking about yeah. here. Um, but he like climbs up on a lamppost and yells like "gay power" and like starts to get involved. Yeah. Um, he also runs and calls several newspapers. And asks them to send reporters to the, to the event. So he's the one that, like, right. alerts the press. Um, the Village Voice is the only paper to send a reporter. But the New York Times ends up reporting on it, like, later the next day. Right. Um, and him and Fred go home and immediately start preparing leaflets to hand out the next day. So he sees this. He understands immediately that this is the moment. That the oh yeah, begins. and you like, have to capture the media's attention on it, or it'll go away. He like he sees yeah. that like this is the inciting incident. We're yeah. all angry, and we need to do something with that anger. So yeah. he um, makes a leaflet, and the uh, title of it is "Get the Mafia and Cops Out of Gay Bars." Um, it's basically just asking for more community organization. So it's saying like, here's what we believe. Here's what needs to happen. We need these people out. They're making these spaces unsafe. Right. Um, they hand out 5,000 copies over the next few days of the riots. So he wow. is out and involved in the protesting and the riots. Doing the, the like low level, the low level building block work while the big, yeah. um, you know, I what do I want to display is yeah. happening. Yeah. He's you know? spreading the word throughout the rest right. of the city, you know? Yeah. Um, so Craig, along with a big group of other activists and organizers start meeting at the Oscar Wilde, um, to figure out what to do next. So we were talking about this being like the community organizing space. Mm-hmm. They really use it to their advantage. And this is where the first pride parade is conceived. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. So it was organized at the Oscar Wilde Memorial Bookshop, the, the yeah. first pride parade. Um, so they basically take the idea of the annual reminder demonstrations, which Craig has been a part of for the last four years. And they right. say, well, let's use that same idea and instead move it to New York and make it be a reminder of the riots. Because we're saying the same thing. Right. Let's right. let's use this moment and this anniversary as as the and parade. Yeah. Now it's like and now we're bringing in the trans community mm-hmm. that that you know kicked off those riots mm-hmm. not just for their own rights but also you know for the rights of gays and lesbians so we need to start including them too i would i would imagine was probably part of that conversation certainly yeah so if you want to move like the thing that you consider to be your community's event to commemorate this other thing it's like okay now we're bringing in this other community that also needs our protection in a big right. way because before that there was a lot less trans activism yeah. because there, you know, there's a whole other history of how that, uh, how the community functioned mm-hmm. before they started including trans activism. So yeah. Anyway. Um, at a meeting of the Eastern Regional Conference of Homophile Organizations in Philadelphia, Craig and several others uh, propose this. Um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Proposal. <laughs> I guess. Proposes proposal. Um, but this is the, the quote of the actual thing that they say. Right. It says uh, that the annual reminder, in order to be more relevant, 
reach a greater number of people and encompass the ideas and ideals of the larger struggle in which we are engaged, that of our fundamental human rights, be moved both in time and location. We propose that a demonstration be held annually on the last Saturday in June in New York City to commemorate the 1969 spontaneous demonstrations on Christopher Street, and this demonstration be called Christopher Street Liberation Day. No dress or age regulations shall be made for this demonstration. We also propose that we contact homophile organizations throughout the country and suggest that they hold parallel demonstrations on that day. We propose a a nationwide show of support. So, like, that there's the birth of pride right the pride month pride, like countrywide yeah yes yeah. and they still do the the new york um parade is still the last saturday of june it's still yep. in spirit the christopher street liberation day you know like that's it all still exists a lot of other cities do their demonstrations on that day i mm-hmm. some of them do it because now we have like the a month for mm-hmm. it so you a know like where i else, live yeah where i live it's usually at the beginning of the month mm-hmm. um just because like it's summer and there are a billion other things happening too so they'll have like in my city there's always like six festivals going on at once during the summer but and so typically pride is slotted for like early june yeah well um, a lot of people also spread it out for the sake of people being able to go to like yeah. either new york or san Mul- francisco one or of the multiple major ones. cities they yeah. can go to multiple ones so like you could go you could go to pittsburgh and then you could also go to new york yeah they're not on the same weekend so yeah yeah um In the late 1970s, Craig joins the Gay People in Christian Science. So he, like, put a book by um, somebody who had been excommunicated from the church because she was a lesbian out in his bookstore. And then some other Christian scientists were like, oh, good to know. (laughs) And they, like, formed a group together. Yeah. Um, And the... The hope for this group was to reform the church's view on homosexuality, right? Godspeed, um, literally. Yeah. <laughs> they create together an eight-page pamphlet, which is gay people in Christian science? Question <laughs> Huh? Um, in my Christian science? Um, and I found this really interesting. Over a period of months, they mailed a copy to every Christian science church practitioner and college organization 8,000 copies hand addressed and stamped wow yeah wow um and they also plan on distributing the pamphlet during the 1980 annual meeting of the church of christ comma scientist um (laughs) in boston so that's just their big church-wide here's what we got take care of business go back out be your churches um so the gay people in Christian science set up a table with the pamphlet and books and flowers. They had like, uh, I find part of this frustrating because they had like called security beforehand and said, hey, we would like to do this. It is not going to be a protest. It's going to be very peaceful. We're not people trying to say anything. People can walk by or to, not. We're not trying to say yeah. anything to the church. We just want to hand out our material. And they were right. like, yeah, okay. And then they get there and they set up and security asks them to remove it. Yeah, well, it's because people complained probably. Yeah, certainly. Um, and they like have to, t- they like get together and they decide to take a vote on whether or not they're going to remove it. And it, the, removing it wins by like one vote. Um, Aw, yeah. come on. But they decide to take <laughs> it down, but they keep handing out the pamphlets. So they walk around and they keep handing out the information. Um, and 
we'll get back to the church's decision in a second, but this movement that he was a part of was really important to the mm-hmm. the church. Yeah. Um so in May of 1992, Craig is diagnosed with stomach cancer. And that's wild. Told- that's like that's literally a month before I was born. Wow. If you think about the timeline of his life. Yeah. Wow. Um and he is told it's very late stage and 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 likely terminal. So mm. he decides to sell the bookshop in March of 1993 because he's just getting sicker um, yeah. and, and can't really care for it. But he, you know, sells it to another member of the community. Um, yeah. And he dies of stomach cancer on June 18th, 1993 at the age of 52. Wow. That's yeah. Sad. Um, in 1999, the Christian science scientist church no longer barred openly gay or lesbian people from membership hmm. so that movement that he was a part of it you know it's sad that it was Made a couple a years after his death but it it continued after right. his death and and it made a difference and that's early for a lot of churches yes the 90s mm-hmm. i mean barely but barely. <laughs> yeah it's yeah. pretty early they just um, eked in st- keeping it in the 90s it yeah happened in the 90s um, the Oscar Wilde Memorial Bookshop stays open until 2009. It closed during the recession. Um, yeah. It was just one of the ones that took a hit. But it went through several bits of membership because people, like, it had lots of hard times, and, but people thought it was an important historical yeah. um, place. So they kept it open for a really long time. I have no clue if the building is still, like, preserved in any way. Um, cause originally I was, I wanted to do the episode on the bookshop because I saw, like, I was reading about some other people and I saw the bookshop and I went, oh, that's really interesting. And there just wasn't quite enough there for a whole episode, but I thought I could do it on Craig instead. Um, cause it eventually moved to Christopher Street, the location. It wasn't, it wasn't always yeah. at Mercer Street. Um, are you looking? Yeah, I can't find anything that says whether or not you can, like, still... Um, visit it like the place maybe yeah. someone who lives in New York would know maybe tell us yeah I think the like obviously the building that it was in is still there but I don't know that it's like I don't know if it's marked or any, that's my question yeah right? like, is it marked or I would assume so but I don't know I don't know either um, and then this is this is my last note. In June of 2019, which is the 50, which was the 50 year anniversary of Stonewall, right. um, you'll remember they did a bunch of stuff. They you know set up the national monument at Stonewall, yeah. um, and they created the um, national LGBTQ Wall of Honor in the monument. Yes. And he is one of the inaugural 50 American quote pioneers, trailblazers, and heroes. To be wow. on the wall. So he is in the original group of that's inductees cool. to the wall. But that's yeah, cool. that's that's Craig. He was an interesting dude. Yeah. I love our, our bookish activists. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. That was an interesting But yeah, book. I just, I thought that the um, bookshop was really interesting. Because um, mm-hmm. I was reading about, you know, two or three people trying to decide what where I was going to have enough meat to get through a whole episode. Um, and I was reading about the bookshop and wanted to talk about it in some way because I think it's a really cool and important little bit of history. Um, yeah, definitely. And then I started reading about Craig and realized that he also had this whole other part of his life where he was also um, 
organizing within his religion, which was really interesting to yeah, me. Yeah, and Christian scientist is also kind of obscure. Yeah. Like, it's not a massive movement. No, it's, it's not. It's not one that you hear about that much, at least not anymore. Right, and I just so, thought that was really interesting and what a yeah. cool, like, series of events in his life um, to talk about. So, yeah, that's, I thought he was a cool, interesting guy. Yeah, he was very interesting. Well, we did it. It's, Those are the pride. pride eps. Very nice. Um, so, okay. I'm just looking ahead at our schedule. Yes. And just a heads up for everybody. We are going to, you know, obviously keep our schedule going probably as per usual. But we're probably going to have to make an adjustment in August, probably yeah. for our second episode, because your girl's moving into a new apartment. So just a heads up, we'll have a couple more on schedule here, and then there will probably be a little bit of a deviation, but we'll give you a warning when the time comes for that. Yeah. Um, and you guys, hey, listen, I know it's only July, <laughs> and I don't have uh, things in my brain for the next few episodes here, but before you know it, you guys, it's going to be spooky episode season yeah so i'm just thinking a little bit ahead to that so if anybody has any kind of suggestions because if you don't know um if you're new to the podcast in october we like to talk about some spooky stuff um spooky history anything that could be considered we've done ghosts we've done cryptids we've done murders yeah all kinds of spooks we were a little bit considering this year maybe doing like some unsolved kind of episodes so if that's something you guys might be interested in let us know if you're like that doesn't sound good to me um tell us that too so we can start to plan ahead for it um, and if you guys have suggestions, please send them to us. If you have any other suggestions outside of that, though, we would love to hear them. Um, you can always send those to us at rememberthatpod at gmail.com. Uh, we're also on Twitter at RTTPod. And we would love it if you would leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to this episode. And if you want to find me on the internet, I am at the real Anna Webb. And I'm at ACW Nerdfighter. Did you like how I just slid into those? Yeah, that was really really well done. I was very impressed (laughs) with your work today. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I don't know what's coming up next time. Uh, Me either. But until next time. Remember that time. Mm